Welcome to Water Words. No, I'm going to take the intro, Liz, because you is pumped. You pumped today. Girl, hello. Hello, hello, hello out there. If you know who this is, you know our voices. This is Shira. And this is Liz. And yes, I am very much pumped. I've had a lot of cafecito and I'm excited. I love our episode today. And I'm just, I'm just pumped. Like it's beautiful. It started beautiful today and it's just going to continue because it is going to be a long day, but it's okay. We're, we're okay. Listen, first of all, listen, let me just be honest with you. I am pumped for this conversation. So what y'all don't know and should know, we got a guest today. So I know y'all was like, okay, it's just the two of y'all. We got to hear some tea, but no, not today. Y'all going to have to hold on because we brought an amazing guest that you just going to have to wait for the introduction for. But Liz, real quick, one check in with you. I did this with my, you know, I know we do this when we are together, but you know, what's your word of the day? Oh, Sunflower. I wasn't expecting that, but okay, why? <laughs> what? Why we it? First of all, we didn't even rehearse this, just so y'all know. We're just that connected and so in tune with who we are that <laughs> that it just flows right into my auntie moment. So my word of the day is sunflower. So I am wearing sunflower earrings. Um, for those that can't see, go hop on YouTube and go see us so you can see our beautiful faces. Um, mm -hmm. That sounded very like mom voice. Uh, I don't know what's happened there. Don't so, judge. Don't don't listen don't to that judge. voice. Keep going, girl. Sunflowers. Yeah, yeah. So sunflowers, um, it is my oldest kid's favorite flower. We all picked a flower. And which to the joy of my husband picking flowers, he loves flowers. He just is like, oh, I don't know what flower to get. Right. But he he I, I actually buy him flowers so that that is his love language. When I buy him flowers, I come home with the bouquet of flowers and he just he loves it and he makes his life happy and everything. So we all got to pick flowers. So sunflowers is my word of the day because and I asked him, I said, well, what? what is so important about a sunflower for you? Like, what, why, why is that your favorite flower? And he says, mommy, they just bring me so much joy and they're beautiful and they're just so different than all the other flowers. And they just love the sun and they're so, um, they're strong. And he just had all these like beyond like, oh, they're beautiful flowers right? Aww. He just, he really, really thought about what made this flower so important for him. And for some reason, I don't know how this connected to one another. I think it's the whole flower thing. So there's a saying in Spanish that's saying, me quisieron enterrar sin saber que éramos semillas y crecimos. Meaning they, they, they intended to bury us without realizing that we were seeds. And then we 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 flowered, we flourished, we grew, right? And um, it made me kind of think about that whole quote and that whole saying. And um, my auntie moment really is about our self-worth, um, especially for people in our field, coaches, DEI professionals, inclusion, culture, people who do people work. It is tough right now. There's so many different changes um, economically in our world. Uh, people are changing in and out. 
Um, people are leaving workforces, coming into workforces. There's five generations of of employees within the workforce at the moment. There's new technology that seems very scary. Sharon and I have had a lot of conversations about chat GPT. My goodness, I can't say that word. Um, and what is going to be the impact of our work, especially people who are writers and um, coaches and you know people who do a lot of people work. And I just want to say to everyone, these flowers, these beautiful seeds, right? They're intending to bury us, but they didn't realize that we were seeds and we're growing. And I just want to offer is know your worth, know your self-worth, know who you are. You are a flower, you are a seed, you're a tree, and you're, and you're going to thrive in, in any environment. And if that environment doesn't work for you, you don't kill the plant, right? You move the environment. So there's that. But that's, I know it's very deep. That's not my word of the day and my auntie moment. So Shara, what's your word of the day? Girl, what you think I would do with all that? <laughs> Wait a minute. First of all, you don't did the Oprah book club on me, girl. I ain't even, <laughs> I had one word. I'm so embarrassed right now. I'm not ready for it. So listen. Uh, first of all, thank you for that because it is a lot going on and our clients are really reflective of that. And the sunflower, I wasn't prepared for that story. haven't heard that story, but I was like, oh, that's really cute. And then it went real deep. I was like, and bury me with the seeds and the blooming. I'm here for all of it. Um, ironically, though, my word was here, here, like here for it, because I just feel like we are in um in a space where we have to show up more. Um, prominently, more courageously. There's a lot of things coming at us in our community around diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm here in Houston, Texas right now. There's a lot of legislation saying that, you know, we cannot have these conversations um, publicly or in public spaces, um, government spaces, uh, public universities, those types of things. So, you know, really got to show up bold and proud about what it is that the impact and opportunity around this work is beyond just some of the language that clearly is a shared language, um, but it's created language about, you know, what it really means about being, building inclusion um, and creating belonging for um, individuals across all demographics and all types of um, elements of diversity. So, you know, it's a real, it's, it's, it's the time, like we're here for it. That's why my word is here. It's like, I'm here for all of it here, present and ready. Let's go. And so, yeah, I'm really excited. So let's move. First of all, thank you for that, Liz, taking us all the way there. Appreciate you. Okay. Cause I, you know, I didn't plan to have that word of the day. I was just like, let me just see how my girl do it. Cause I know we got to get, get going with our guests. Um, but that was a moment. So y'all better run that back. If you need that, that was, that was just free for you. Um, so let's talk about our guest today. So listen, yes. we have an amazing guest. As you know, how we do it here, we always introduce our guests. Um, let me tell you about this person. So if you're on YouTube, you got the exclusive because the video just popped up. I haven't even said one word, okay? So you better be on YouTube to know what right here happened and check out that background, okay? We're going to talk about it later. I was like, okay, so you official. We got to get our backgrounds upgrade. Okay, I'm sorry. Let me introduce this person. So first of all, <laughs> this individual here, first of all, you know, we all love CDI. Many of our guests are through our cohorts um, and our relationships through CDI. And if you don't know CDI, run that back. Go listen to that. We ain't got time to explain it. Um, but we were in a, in my, so you do three cohorts, th three sessions together. Miguel 
Oh, Miguel came in my second session. So our first session, we wasn't, we was just, okay, we built our core. That second session was shaking and stirred, honey, because Miguel came in and Miguel, once you hear his voice and you get to hear how he presents and show up, like just in the space authentically, he just came in and took up the space that we already didn't know we needed and was really an authentic sharer. One of the biggest things I'll say about Miguel and being in the space with Miguel is that you know, every moment is the moment. Like there's not often times that you're with a person who's completely just present in the moment and have a high level of vulnerability about what it is they want to provide in that space. But I mean, he knew, he knew that we had a session together with a group of people and we, and he just came in and was like, I'm here too. And we are here together. And it's something about having a person like that. That's just like, I'm not sure where this group has started, but I'm here now and we're all together. And so in this work that really matters. So anywhere Miguel is, you know, and you get excited and he brings joy. He brings happiness and you'd be like, what you doing? And then that conversation goes down to 14 different ways. Okay. In amazing ways. So you, it's our pleasure, right? Um, also, we hosted at the Spa Museum for the CDI Symposium. Um, this was the host, huh? He was just, okay, he was running that show and teaching in between. I said, first of all, I hope they pay you for this because all these gems you drop in every 20, 30 seconds is amazing. I was like, this is free free. Uh, but Miguel's <laughs> amazing. So dynamic speaker, dynamic person, and is really somebody to watch in this space. So I want to introduce you to Miguel. Alvarez. So did I say it right? Because you know I've been practicing my L's. My L's are <laughs> Miguel Aviles, that's beautiful. Beautiful. Did I get it? Okay, y'all. Cause I've been holding it up. I was like, oh Jesus, <laughs> let me get this right. And I was like, my arms hot. My arms is hot. Uh, Miguel, welcome. Welcome onto our show. Thank you so much. You know, how better to start the day with the armpits of inclusion? That hey. energy, that love. All those powerful words, like sunflower, like I'm here. And you know, Lynx and Shara, what I can think about is that image of a sunflower. A sunflower is dead. Just like Shara said, I'm here. A sunflower stands tall. I missed any issues. She is bright. She is full of joy. She is full of energy. So following your spirit, here we are, sunflowers that are standing tall today and ready to have a powerful conversation. Thank you for having me. Oh, I love it. Did you get chills, Cher? Because I got chills. It's like he took what I said and he was like, yeah, let's sunflower it and level it up. Like level up the sunflower. Thank you, Miguel. Thank you so much. So, you know, as usual, uh, one, we're so honored to have you here. But as usual, and how we start our discussion is we talk about the diversity will. And, you know, can you share with us a little bit of what are the, the dimensions that resonate with you or that are important to you at this moment? No, I love that question, Liz, because that question should be answer and asked by every senior leader across industries. Often we stayed just within gender, race, ethnicity, but there are over 30 dimensions of diversity. So right now, the ones that are relevant to me is faith and spirituality. Ethnicity will always be at the forefront as a Hispanic, 
But then also age. Those are my top three right now. And they have been my top three throughout my career. You know, um, being a millennial executive, it's it brings us, us a, a unique set of challenges and opportunities. And of course, being a Latino, Hispanic, millennial driving change in in the, in, in the world and in this space brings also a unique set of challenges. So those are my top three right now. Yeah, you mentioned, um, you know, the challenges that you've faced as a millennial Latino, also as an executive and um, and also keeping your faith and spirituality. You know, what are some of the stereotypes um, that you faced in with your dimensions? You know, um, Liz, early on when I moved from Puerto Rico, where I am originally from, to Washington, D.C., I it was a culture shock because I learned I had an accent. My English vocabulary was very limited. I joked with my friends and I say, you know, I had a big smile, a good attitude, and I knew how to say yes. So I used that to drive myself into all kinds of opportunities. But at that time, some people thought because I had an accent that I was stupid. And let me pause there for a minute because I'm being very intentional here. There is this perception that by research that found that people that have accents are found less suitable for promotions, less suitable for jobs, for leadership positions, and the message that I've been aiming to drive is, yes, I may have an accent, but my brain doesn't. So don't let my accent fool you. And don't let my accent serve as a barrier to what I can offer to my community, to the workplace, and to those around me. That is that is so powerful, Miguel, and I can completely understand that both my parents, um, they immigrated from Mexico and very intelligent. One um, was a, a leader in their in their work. The other one has their own business. And they they always said that they said my accent isn't a reflection of the power in my brain. Um, it mm-hmm. also impacted them, too, in the sense of that they drove me to go to predominantly white schools so that I wouldn't have an accent. And um, and, it, and it was very interesting. So it's like their experience really drove that. So it's amazing to see that you're bringing that to light, that uh, many people, you know, it, it it's almost like it's, I don't know if it's unconscious or, or, or what it is, but it's definitely a bias. And, um, and, 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 and it's, it's so, it's so true. It's like, my accent has nothing to do with how incredibly intelligent I am. Um, but thank you for sharing that. That is, that is extremely powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and there is definitely a strong bias in the way, you know, when I started my career as a speaker, I remember I was told you need to get rid of that accent or you need to work on that accent if you want to make it. And that was at the beginning. 
But Liz and Shara, can you believe that that stereotype is still real today? Not so long ago, I was getting ready to go on a major stage. I'm talking about over a thousand people in the audience, a virtual component, and I was doing a tech rehearsal. And I was well-dressed. I remember that I had a beautiful red bow tie. I was sharply dressed. I looked good. I felt great. I was ready to kill it. When I get to that stage, one of the organizers that didn't know who I was gets on the stage and they immediately say, I need you to get off the stage and help me find a few tables and a few chairs and get them to the stage ASAP. Of course, I've been trained this field. I know what's going on. I smile and I said, listen, I would love to help you. But I don't know where we all keep the chairs and seats. She thought that I was one of the fabulous member of the hotel staff because I'm Latino and because we are overrepresented in the service industry. And the personnel in that particular hotel was over 85% Latino. Now, for all our audience members, I want you to think about this. At that moment, I was nervous because I was getting ready to face a thousand people audience. Think about the battle I had internally to get myself grounded in that particular moment, to get myself, like, like Shara said, like I'm here and this, I, I'm worthy of this space and I am meant to be here. I had a message to be told. So, you know, Hispanics and Latinos are constantly facing, and many other historically excluded groups are constantly facing this internal dialogue that we don't belong to these spaces. So I believe that that gives me fire to the work that we do because yes. it's so needed right now. Absolutely. You handled that so well, Miguel, because I would say right now, I would have been like, oh, I'm so sorry. Who are you looking for? <laughs> because I'm messy when it comes to stuff like that sometimes because I forget my training. Sometimes I forget my training immediately, but then my, my personality come out and be like, okay, wait, I'm confused for a second. And Let me be clear on what's happening here because I want you to acknowledge because we both about to walk away with this lesson, okay? Um, but no, I, Miguel, you, first and foremost, for those of you watching YouTube who not on YouTube, Miguel is sharp, okay? So that whole sharpness he just told you in that story, that continues today. Let's just be clear because I ain't never seen nobody dress so sharp for our interview, but I appreciate you. No shade to any of our previous guests. I mean, just, you know, y'all, I mean, we got to get our background and our whole aesthetics ready now. But you have brought up so many many different um, dimensions that you have had to lead with and navigate. And you also brought that up quite a bit, like intersectionality in our um, discovery call. And not often people really kind of lead with that topic or kind of make that really a part of their identity, right? They, they kind of just say, oh, these are some of the pieces, but they never talked about the interconnectedness and also how those pieces kind of really impact them. So You've been really intentional about saying that that's important to you, at least in the conversations we've had outside of this, 
Can you share a little bit like what intersectionality means to you? And like, what are some of those experiences that has also come up that's kind of allowed you to be um, an example or serve in that space so that others can get more comfortable with theirs? Absolutely. So growing up, Shara, you know, in the island, when we went to school, we were taught that we were a combination of Spaniards, of Tainos, and Africans. So since very early on, I knew that I was a combination of interconnected moments and ethnicities and races, and that each one of them were intertwined, magically informing who I so knowing that from the beginning, when I moved to the state, and they tell me, you are a minority, in my mind, it's like that quick label that they put on you from day one. You are a Hispanic. You are a millennial. You sound like this. They immediately want to box you in one little but, and ain't nobody got time for that. So I've been fighting since day one. Don't put me in a box because as a human, I am a combination of interconnected moments and serve and support a lot of people. So my intersectionality brings faith and who I am to the workplace. Because, you know, if I am a Christian, that doesn't mean that I cannot love, respect, and stand with the LGBTQIA plus community. Because I am a Hispanic, I will not say, oh, Black Lives Matter. No, we are one community, and it's about time that we bring that intersectionality into the workplace and into our communities because it will help us to heal right now. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned the box, right? Like, I think the as being someone who's traveled around and also listened to so many different stories, you know, that experience of being uh, any type of, you know, growing up in America and just getting in your slot, right? Like you, you get in your slot, you know, and maybe that slot is, you, you know, the one you use outside in the world, but in your home, you could be fully authentic yourself. And if you're blessed in that way, right? Uh, but at the end of it's so unique in the instance that, you know, we all are grown. When we grow up, people tell you how valuable you are, how important you are in the world and society norms and political mm-hmm. order and all those systems that uphold racism or all the isms, right? Tells you how you are not. Like it's this real battle every day, you know, and as you navigate in those spaces. And that doesn't include individual interpersonal biases that show up. But I'm so glad you talked about how they are that it empowers you to stay like stay true in your authenticity, because thank I think oftentimes that's really all the things that people are really struggling with. They can't choose a movement. They can't choose a purpose mm-hmm. because the, all the other pieces of them may or may not fit. But you don't have to be all things right. You could be in part of many things that yeah. makes you as dynamic as some of these challenges and topics that we are trying to address. So. I think people really needed to hear that. And not many people like to have that particular conversation, specifically 
you know, like you just talked, you gave a great example about the faith and LGBTQ plus, but it also shows up just in basic instances like women movements and where are the women, the black women or the Latinas? Like, where is the intersectionality in those spaces? Because oftentimes they're like, oh, well, you got to choose one of those identities. You can't bring all of them. Why? Why do I got to choose one? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the going back to the box, that's so frustrating. It's like, I don't want to be in a box and I, I'm, I'm a disruptor. I, I, and I, I am bossy. Like I know Shara doesn't like me using that word for myself, but I'm a bossy disruptor, right? Cause I got my passion and it comes through and I feel so seen right now hearing Miguel talk so passionately about it because it is true. It's like, I don't want to be in whatever box you want me, you've put me in. You know, I have all these beautiful intersectionalities, interconnectedness, beautiful things that make me who I am and 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 unique. It's like, when did that messaging change from when we're younger, when we're kids and we're like, be you and your unique self to go into this box because this is where I'm comfortable with you being. So be safe. All that to say on kind of like the shift between when you're a kid and you're being your beautiful, wonderful self into this box, you know, what really, when it comes to representation, equity and inclusion, what are we really asking from people when it comes to this work, specifically leaders, specifically organizations, you know, what are we asking from them? You know, uh, Liz and Shara, so many examples come to my mind and I wish I had the mentality of bringing my whole self to work since day one. But I will lie if I tell you that. We are all conditioned to fit in. And Brené Brown said that the, the, the opposite of belonging is fitting in and we are rewarded for fitting in in organizations by following cultural norm and the dominant culture. Because when you do, what happens? You get promoted, you get included, you get advanced, right? So I have a story that will answer your question. You know, I get selected for an interview. This is a high level job, my, uh, my, my highest level at the top, right? So I am getting ready for this interview and I dress sharp. I'm ready to go. I'm fully prepared. And at the top, I used to wear red, bright eyeglasses. Like this is conservative, you know? Those were red. They were bright. Like the, 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 the eyeglasses arrived first and then <laughs> I arrived. That's kind of acceptable, right? But you know what, Liz? I had such a battle before the interview and inside of the car, I take the decision to take off my eyeglasses and walk into the interview without them. I go to the first interview, the second interview, the third interview, <clears throat> and the fourth interview without the eyeglasses. I get the job, I get selected, one month passes by, two months passes by, and every single day before walking to the office, I am switching eyeglasses because I didn't feel comfortable walking within my own eyeglasses. Until I said, hold on a minute. 
something is going on. For the first time in my career, I got hired to bring my full self to the workplace and list and share. I didn't know how to do that. Mm. And I said, I mean, I'm having a conversation. Like picture this, my friend. I'm having a conversation with the red, bright eyeglasses on my car. And I said, I cannot take you in. And then I said one morning, I said, you know what? Forget about this. I walk in, put my red eyeglasses. I walk into that building that was a highly conservative organization. And you know what? Nothing happened. People loved them. I started being recognized by the glasses, by who I was. Because here's my answer to your question. This is what we're looking for. We want people to belong to themselves first and then having managers that encourage and ask for people to bring their whole selves to work and celebrate it and drive it and and embrace it. And at that day, that day, I, I realized, you know what? This is a huge lesson that a pair of eyeglasses helped me understand. First, to belong anywhere, I have to belong to myself. And that is a that is a hard truth to embrace. And then in the workplace, we also need to have clear messages, clear practices that encourage people to bring their whole selves to work. It's a combination. Yeah. Woo! Woo! I've been there before. Oh my goodness, you done stirred me up. You done stirred me up. It's that that part where you're like, picture this, right? When you walking in, right? Plenty of times, because you know, I mean, this is a crown act topic, right? Like you got to get my black girl hair, right? Like I'll be like, okay, which which style I'm coming in with? And it was, you're right. It's that term where you be like, you know what? I can't just make this my weekend here because it's too cute. I'm coming in with my full me, right? Like this is all me, right? And, and that's a big, scary day, like. It's a scary day when you are, when people have seen you a certain way, you know, that is more appropriate and accessible and tangible for them in that space. And then you decide I'm done with that. Like I'm here and all of this is here. And I will be honest with you. Like it was very, th that feeling, I started feeling all those feelings stir up when you're thinking about how people are going to receive it. And at the end of the day, it, this it's, it's a moment of like, people are like, oh, great. You know what I mean? Like very much so. Oh, cute you know you yes but then it's also one of the moments we're like why did it take me so long so that that internal conversation shows yeah. up like i've been wasting so much time downplaying and dimming my light and focusing on this piece and i just played into the biases and stereotypes of you know fitting in and the labeling and all those things versus really challenging it so there's a bravery in this new generation, generation now and plus, right? That's just like, no, not today. And I appreciate right. that journey that's enlightening, that's allowing millennials and those behind us to say, hey, listen, no, this is who I am. This is who I am. And this is how you're going to have to, this workplace is going to have to fit all those things. Yeah. Well, and you Absolutely. know, to be honest with you, Cher, like we've been, there's been situations where we've been conditioned to have to show up in a, in a way that's not us. And I think that's always in the back of our minds. So I think once you start changing those environments and those workplaces and the organizations and doing kind of the um, the change agents be 
between the two, mm -hmm. right? Like in at the organization level. And then to Miguel's point, like at the individual level as well too, it's like I'm empowered to bring my whole self and I'm also coming into an environment where I know that I'm going to be accepted. It's going to be scary because I've never done this before, but I also know that there's going to be an ally there or there's going to be someone that doesn't make me feel uncomfortable. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Miguel, because I've always asked, been asked that question. like, well, what do we really want from this work? You know, what are you wanting to do? Um, you know, I know when we met at the CDI Symposium, you spoke about transitioning from a disempowering work experience, which kind of reminds me of your glasses story there, um, to where you are now, which obviously, if y'all are not seeing YouTube, you're not seeing this, how empowered this, this person is. So amazing. <clears throat> if you're comfortable, would you share more about that transition of going from disempowering to empowering? Absolutely. And, you know, each each component of my career has helped me bring my expertise where I am today. Like right now, I work with clients in Europe, in Asia, South America, United States. And each one of the lessons I gained throughout my career really helped me talk about diversity, equity and inclusion in almost every single industry. Now, it is important to mention that a few months ago, we were talking about the great resignation. You know, everybody was talk about, uh, talking about the great resignation. Now we're talking about the quiet meeting. Now people is getting laid off. Like every month, it changes, right? But the bottom line is that toxic workplaces are driving the quiet resignation are driving the, the people leaving jobs or people quitting jobs while staying in the job. And we cannot overlook that fact. So I was operating in environments that were toxic. And how do you do that? How do you drive diversity, equity, and inclusion in workplaces that encourage toxic behaviors to get ahead, to get advanced, to get promoted. When, I'm not, when I talk about toxic behaviors, I'm not talking about rampant um, bullying in the workplace or sexual harassment. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking, I'm talking about like lack of communication, like exclusive behaviors, like not rewarding people for the work they're doing it, like overworking people. That's what I'm talking about. So I spent a career um, in spaces that where that toxic behaviors were present. So how do you drive diversity, equity, and inclusion? And it starts with you. And that is the message that I want to drive. You know, when you are a manager in that kind of workplaces, you're probably helping the toxic environment stay that way. That is probably what you're doing if you're not intentionally driving inclusion. And that was the biggest thing that I have to understand as a senior leader. If I'm not intentionally including, I am probably unintentionally excluding a bunch of people through my behaviors. 
And that was a big realization for me that we got to be intentional in this kind of work. Like I have to have a plan. I have to have an approach and drive that approach. I'm still learning until this day. Now, to go and answer your question deeply is, at the end of the day, I have to take a decision. How do I want to spend my days? Do I want to be engaging in admin work, which is important, which is critical, or do I want to have an impact, a daily impact in my community? And answering that question helped me take a decision to jump and become a full-time keynote speaker, coach, and consultant that helps leaders face any crisis through the power of human connection and belonging. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun in the work that I do, and it's a lot of work because being a thought leader, you've got to be um, with updated information and ready to go in any given moment. But this is what I love doing. And it's going to be two years this July. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Wow. wow. I, first of all, I was like, whoever is working, have the pleasure to work with you every day. I mean, I would be in those meetings, like all the notes I'm taking. Okay. Because I, first of all, if a couple of things. One, you're absolutely right. It's the systems, right? It's the organizational systems that really have to be challenged. And whether that's institutional systems or organization systems or just our societal systems that really uphold the the sameness versus the differences, then that's the opportunity that we have. But I appreciate, right, talking to speaking from it from a leader standpoint, because oftentimes when we're coaching, those are the individuals who we are talking to. They have the power. They have the influence. They're just trying to get the empowerment and the skills to be able to say, I can make a change. And so that they can become change agents in their organizations or in the places that they have the opportunity to. And I really appreciate that because I think oftentimes that's a lonely road to be a leader, right? It's to be a person specifically in so, so many things that are different versus similar to the other leaders. And I've only seen leaders who stand out and be intentional, be successful and not saying that that everything that they seek out to deliver is successful, but them themselves and the influence to their people is successful, that people want to work with them continuously. They have a sense of like they, they want to produce, they want to be involved. They want to put it all out there because there's a level of risk taking and support that comes when you can build a space of inclusion. So I really, I just took, listen, if you could see my fans move, I would have been sitting here taking notes. Okay. So one thing that we just got to call out, right, Miguel, first of all, you are a dynamic speaker. You period. Like I, I was jokingly talking about how just casual that is, but it's always been that way. Like when you showed up, I just didn't know. Like you knew you brought it with you. That's all of you all day. But for everybody else who has to experience it, it's like you just hanging on every word. And so I know there's somebody who wants to know what's been your journey in that. Um, and then what's just, what advice would you have? A lot of us are doing um, speaking events and doing things where they want to show up similarly. I mean, where, wherever that space is, do you have some advice? Can you give us a little, or is this just all you? Like, is this like, and hey, no. <laughs> it has been a journey of over a decade, Shara. And I want to walk you all with me to the first couple of weeks that I experienced in Washington, D.C., not knowing how to have a full 
conversation. Spend a lot of time being quiet and terrified of just speaking. And I will never forget in this particular internship, week after week, my supervisor asked me, Miguel, are you ready to talk in the staff meeting? In just a staff meeting. I was like, no, there's no way. First week passes by, the fifth week passes by, the eighth week passes by. By the last week, which was the 10th week in the internship, I said, I am ready now. And that was in 2007. And I like to say that that's when I started my speaking career. When I was able to get out of my shell and say, shell, and say, I have a story that deserves to be told. And I share my story with a group of executives. And after that, it has been a constant process of improvement to be specific for anyone in the audience that wants to become a professional speaker. This is what I did at the beginning. At the beginning, first action that I took, join a Toastmaster club. I joined and became the president of a chapter and started honing those skills. In, at the same time, I also joined the National Speakers Association and they had an academy that taught us how to make money speaking. Because let me tell you, that's important. If you wanna do this full time, you need to understand how this industry works. That was back in 2011 and 12. So right at the beginning, I took those two steps. The middle steps were, let's hone our craft. Comedy improv, storytelling, think classes, thought leadership, graduating for diversity, equity, and inclusion certificates, becoming an expert, writing. So it's a bunch of steps that you need to take. And then nowadays, the question is, what am I doing now that I jumped? You know, I'm doing this full time. You know, I'm bringing food to my house, speaking, okay? What is it that we do? So here's where I need to give a shout out to Impact 11. Impact 11 is a community of world-class keynote speakers that come together to learn and they are equipping me and helping me to constantly level up my game. We talked about AI, chat GPT, like how as a speaker can you use artificial intelligence to become more efficient in your work? That's one of the sessions that we do. And later this afternoon, I'm doing a showcase of a story that I want to deliver into a global audience and I have a group of people that are best-selling authors that are highly successful in their work coming together to give me feedback. So this is a constant process of improvement. Man, you know, the one thing that I, I got from that whole conversation between Toastmasters, the association, and your Impact 11 is community. It's is, is surrounding yourself with people that are going to level you up. People that are going to give you true, honest feedback that want to see you succeed. I was just telling somebody about <clears throat> CDI and the coaching program that all three of us went through. And I told them, I said, you know, the people that I met 
through CDI, whether it was through my cohort or through other events, you know, because we, you and I weren't in the same cohort, but I said, there is this connection and I know I can reach out to anyone in this, in this program and say, I need feedback. Like I need help becoming a better speaker or becoming a better consultant or becoming a better coach. Can you help me? That person will always say yes and will give me feedback that is, I always call it like the velvet hammer, which is like, it's it's going to be tough feedback, but they're going to do it in a very loving, caring way because I know at the end of the day, they want to see me succeed. And these relationships and friendships are going to stay with me, you know, for years and years and years to come. So I love that you brought that community aspect, Miguel. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. Yeah, community is, is all. At the end of the day, community is all for, for me. Absolutely right. I love that that point. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of community, I know in our discovery call, you shared your vulnerability and your passion about Puerto Rico. Can you share a little bit more about your passion? <laughs> Obviously, you're from Puerto Rico and but, you know, um, can you share a little bit more about your passion from, from then? Share with the audience our conversation during the discovery call. Absolutely. So I moved my practice to Puerto Rico close to two years ago. The time is flying, but after spending over a decade in Washington, D.C., I'm building my career and all of that. I decided to quit my career, leave Washington, D.C., pack up and come back home. And I leave close to the water, so right now I can see the ocean. I'm in a little space at the top of a hill on a mountain, and I love being able to have a business from the place that saw me grow up. And the reason I love Rico is the island has been going through crisis after crisis for the last decade bankruptcy, hurricanes, earthquakes, COVID-19, financial crisis, is crisis after crisis, yet the Puerto Rican community continues to show up with an unseen level of resiliency. Is this untamable positive spirit that doesn't matter what happens to me, I will continue to show up, and as I show up, I will be dancing, I will be having fun, I'll be bringing my whole sazón and sofrito to the workplace. Yes. I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. So now that I'm living here, I'm like, wow. So I bring those stories to every single speech that I deliver, because I believe the world needs to know about the resilience, not only the Puerto Rican community, but the Hispanic community. Mm -hmm. And telling those stories, sharing those melodies, bringing that brilliance to major stages is critical. As the largest minority in the United States, it's about time that we start sharing our stories more and more. So that's what I do. I bring the Hispanic, I bring the Puerto Rican culture to major stages because I believe that we have something to tell. First of all, thank you. I mean, if people wasn't clapping, they missed it. 
Okay, because first and foremost, I am so excited to hear that. First and foremost, you just lit up. And, and you always show up that way, but you just lit up when you was talking about Puerto Rico and that's home. And that's a big topic for me, right? Like I'm from Washington, D.C. And so, you know, that's my home. When I go home, it fills me up in a specific way. And you don't, you can, un, you can let all those things that kind of try to hold you back down. And it, it just allows you to show up in this space. I'm so excited for you. Right. And also just be, let's be clear. We don't always hear about Puerto Rico. Like there is just not a lot of information that just comes up about, you know, Puerto Rico and what's happening in, in the community. And I'm so glad it's being elevated because oftentimes if you're not connected with that community, or people who are from there, you don't even get to know more about it. And it's a part of us, right? Like, what are we talking about here? This is crazy. Culturally speaking, I'm just so happy, right? Like we need more stories of difference and the stories of resilience, because I think people need to know now that, listen, we're in some tough times, but listen, this is not the first time. Like, <laughs> let's show you how we do this. And you can still keep your, your authenticity, you can still keep your community, your values, your beliefs all in place and still show up as a whole person and as a whole community at any point in time. So that just really resonated with me yeah. so much, Miguel. Like home is home. And I think home for me, home. home is home. And I think for me that what resonated with me, Miguel, on this on this was um you did light up. I mean, Shara was like totally on point when you said when you started talking about Puerto Rico and your why, I feel like if you ever this is just me like being a third party observant here. If you ever doubted your move, spending so many years in DC, in you know, mainland, and then coming into Puerto Rico, if you ever doubted that, I want to just say remove those little doubts away because this has now I understand your passion and a new level of your keynote speaking abilities because this is going to add another one of those connections, another thread into your journey as a speaker. So, and, 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 and so wonderful that you're elevating these voices that for so long we were told to, you know, you keep your head down and you work harder than anybody else in this room. Okay. And, and you just do what, you know, you assimilate, you assimilate mm -hmm. and you just work harder. And then when you're at home, you know, eating your uh, your your food and dancing your dance, like that's when you can be yourself. But I love that you're saying no, like enough is enough. To Shara's point, I am here. We are here and we're loud and we're passionate and we're bright and colorful. And we have some freaking amazing food. Okay, okay. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Listen, so I, I, I know we got to wrap up because if y'all don't know, Miguel is now he's dressed for us, but he got other appointments today and he just told you a little bit about it. So we got to keep on schedule. But I do want to ask, I do want to have some closing reflections. And, and, and before I get to that closing reflection, I have to ask you a question. So you are always so vulnerable, but I want most people will see you and they just be like, enjoy your bright light. But how? What kind of care do people that you need to feel supported in what you're doing right now? Because I feel very passionate to ask people who show up and, and, and people it just absorb the light. But how do we as a community or as individuals give you that care and support so that we can uh, fill you up so you can continue to shine? Listen, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. It's my top social network right now, Miguel, Joey. 
Aviles. Connect with me there. Share some love. When you hear this episode, just take a picture and share some love on Instagram and LinkedIn and let us know what resonated with you. And at the end of the day, you know, take care of yourself. That is my number one thing right now. It's start your morning with reflection. Start your morning with walking outside if possible. Get that energy, your prayer, your journaling. Take, your, take care of yourself first. Um, so then we can all take care of each other. Well, you heard it though. That was it for me because I was going to say take care of each other too. So we are aligned on that. I just want everybody to know that at, at this point in time, we are storing up and we are making sure that we are ready for whatever it is our next thing is. So continue to do that. And I was my point. So Liz, what do you got to close our remarks before as we close out? You know what? I just want to express my joy and my gratitude for this space for Miguel for agreeing to come on to our show and bringing your light and bringing everything uh, to us and and as always I always learn something from you so thank you for that and I hope that the audience really like listens to this a few times because there were so many wonderful nuggets in here about your own self-worth about not dimming your light about finding that community that really elevates you and then also to stretching into that uncomfortable zone i think that you know we get scared about that zone but that is really where the magic happens so miguel is there anything else that you want to share with our audience to close any reflection I, 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 I am so inspired to be with you all today. And I just want to bring, bring the sunflower, bring, bring that image to everybody. Standing tall amidst anything that comes at you. Standing bright, standing joyful, and embracing the fact that we are here. My friends, it has been such a joy to spend this time with you all. I am full. Like, I'm ready to take the second quarter. Now, we start <laughs> April now, soon. I'm ready after listening He's... to you too. So much love. Uh, thank you, Miguel, so much. And thank you all for listening. Catch us at morethanwordspodcast.com. Alrighty, see y'all later.